human knee. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime and me. Hello. And welcome. To this week's episode of, of Crimeny. We're your hosts. Matt and Ange. And we're here again. We made it. And Zephyr is oh joining God. us as well. My dog is huffing and puffing under the door because she oh does God, not like to like be separated. Oh my God, she's like the big bad wolf. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to blow this fucking door down. She's a big she's sad crying. wolf. She's, she's going to cry the door down. She doesn't like to be left out, but she makes too much noise that I have to edit out. So we're trying to exclude her. It's not going to work, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, pandemic's back on, y'all, so. Round three, <laughs> fight. Guys, just get vaccinated for Everyone, real. Just do it. It's fine. It's fine. It's just like only a little bit of 5G that like haunts your soul It's or just something. like a little bit of fetus, but it's, it's totally just, fine. I mean, if you think about it, it's more like a nail clipping of a fetus. Ew. It's like not even like the essential part. Okay. You don't, well, look, you don't know what part of the fetus you're getting in your shot. So I feel like it could be any part and let's not be afraid of, um... Don't be afraid of fetuses. They're Don't natural. Don't be afraid of fetuses. Don't be afraid of the government chips that they're putting in you. It's fine. We'll all survive. For real, though. And that's the PSA for today. Enjoy your fetus and your magnetic blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool, too. Just avoid refrigerators for a little yeah. bit, and you're good. You're fine. Um, and let's, let's fight this pandemic together. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but since we are kind of locking yeah. down, let's... Get depressed together. Let's get before we get depressed together. Oh. Um, let's remember to wear masks still and yeah. wash our hands. And if you want to get some awesome soap to wash your hands with, check out our sponsor, Humble Bee Herbal. They have a ton of awesome, all natural, responsibly sourced ingredients and, and zero they do waste packaging. Seasonal soaps too. So get seasonal soaps while they last. They're all small batch. And also, all soap is basically antibacterial because the bacteria can't cling on to soapy hands so get them out get them out <laughs> get them out wash them up <laughs> check them out get those germs off <laughs> wash them up get humble be herbal dot com promo code crime 20 for 20 percent off your first order and if i can get through this episode this is gonna be a miracle i'm like stumbling over words so badly that's okay. humblebeherbal.com check them out Okay, my story, my, my Sharona is from, <laughs> my Sharona. Um, so I feel like every week I'm like, wah, wah. I found a cool story, but I couldn't find all the information. Yeah. Um, this week I think it's because Oh, we're it doing it again? A, <laughs> yes, because this case takes place in Brazil. So oh. I think it's a language barrier that not a lot of, English speaking news like did any in depth, yeah, re- research on it. Um and I don't speak Portuguese yeah. and I went to like some Portuguese websites and did like English translate and some of it's real rough. Yeah. So, I'll just give you what I can. Okay. I got my information from Medium, Toronto Sun, all that's interesting, and Terra. dot com. I'm going to tell you about Pedro Rodriguez Filo. 
Pedro was born in a small town in Santa Rita do Sapoquia in Minas Galejas, Brazil. That sounded good. Thank you. I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce any of that right, but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> he was born on July 17th, 1957. Not, oh. Nope, 1954. Cancer. I can read. He's a cancer. When he was born, he had bruises on his skull <gasps> because his father kicked his mother <gasps> in the stomach while she was pregnant with him. Oh, my God. So, good start. That was horrible. Yeah. And this might have damaged Pedro's brain, making uh, him quick to anger even as a small child. Sure. So his father well, was... not to mention his father's abusive. Was, and when you're in an exactly. abusive household, anger control is not being modeled for you. Right. So. And uh, you feel out of control, too. So. Yeah. Um, and like you just said, so his father obviously was abusive to Pedro... As well as his mother and siblings, he was highly aggressive to the point where, at the age of 13, he admitted he felt a strong urge to kill. Oh, no. And at such a young age, uh, one day, that day, okay, I don't know why I wrote that. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) basically, when he was- You're writing like English is your second language. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh-oh. Um... He, at the age of 14, nearly killed a cousin of his for pushing his brother into, like, they were, like, playing around in a sugarcane mill. Ooh. And I guess the cousin, like, pushed his brother, and so he threw the cousin onto a sugarcane press. Oh, God. He said, I pushed him thinking his whole body would go through, but just his arm went through. Oh, my God. The cousin survived. He, like, nearly died, but he survived. Crushed his arm? Yeah. <gasps> However, shortly after that incident, Pedro, at the age of 14, finally managed to commit his first murder. So at the tender age of 14, Pedro shot and killed the deputy mayor of oh Santa Rita my God. In, fr- in front of town hall with a shotgun that belonged to his grandfather. This story is just like, we're just like hitting the ground running yep. immediately. Okay. His reason behind the murder was that the deputy mayor had fired his father, who worked as a school guard, I'm guessing like a security guard or something, Yikes. after after the deputy mayor accused his father of stealing food from the school. Oh, that's all bad. He said his mistake was accusing my father of robbery. He said, according to... That's one of those things, like, I'm not defending the father at all, but that's one of those things, like, if you're stealing food... Just, like, let them have food, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. It's fucking food. Sorry. Uh, No, that's fine. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I agree. (laughs) He said that according to his father, it was another guard at the school that had stolen the food and that he got blamed for it. Yeah, of course. Likely story. So then, shortly after gunning down the deputy mayor, Pedro hunted down the, the other school guard... And murdered him as well. Okay, wait. He shoots someone in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Nope. How? I don't know. That's why With I want... a shotgun. Yeah. Like, that's not... You know, a shotgun's like a big gun, right? Yeah. That's not something you, like, put in your pocket and, like, no. slink away. No. It's a big gun. Jesus. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I have no idea what the rules were. Maybe it's, like, way or... shortly after. Yeah, but then... Yeah, so, okay. 
within like a short time, let's say, yeah. he killed the deputy mayor and then hunted down this guard, the other guard, and killed him. Wow. And then he ran away to avoid being chased by the cops, and he settled in the Moji das Cruz area of Sao Paulo. And while in his new city, he... He's 14. Yep. Just murdered two people. Yep. Ran away to a new city. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And basically, as soon as he moved, he continued, and he killed a couple drug dealers, he killed junkies, he robbed drug dens. <laughs> I just, okay. He, I'm like speechless. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's like a a bit of a a bit of a Robin Hood in a way. Not no. a Robin Hood, a vigilante. Yeah, not a Robin Hood at all. <laughs> he didn't steal from the rich. He uh, robbed the poor. To give to the poor, to he just murdered poor. everyone. Murdered just the people that he thought were worthy Wronging of killing. Pe- yeah. yeah, well. He then met a woman. It's named... funny how you can justify when you want to kill someone. You can justify it when you're like yeah, well, out of your mind. I think anyone can justify anything if you put your mind to it. You certainly can. He then met a woman named Maria Aparecida Olympia, who was the widow of a drug dealer. Possibly one that he killed. Uh Um, So the two fell in love and moved in together. Wow, how? (laughs) How? And then Maria was pregnant. Wait, how how old is he now? I think a couple years have gone by. He's probably like 19. Or no, no, not 19. 16? He's like 16, he's like 16, 17. He's together with a widow. And now I mean, she's... so yeah, they're probably like 17, 16, 17. And... They are. Well, I don't know how old she is, but I right. assume she's he young. Right, he is. The widow? You know. I guess you could be any age. Did, yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know what the marrying age is there. Mm. Okay, so she's pregnant. They're excited. They're happy together. But of course, that didn't last long, uh-uh. because shortly after moving in together, at seven months pregnant, Uh-oh. Maria was shot dead by a police officer <gasps> who was working for the gang of the dealer that Pedro killed. Oh, God, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, poor thing. Maria. Losing his girlfriend and his unborn child pissed Pedro off. And he was ready to seek revenge. Oh, God. So he began his detective work of looking for those responsible. He recruited some people, and they began hunting down the gang members. He didn't just hunt them down and kill them. No. no. He wanted information. He wanted to hunt them down and find out who was in charge, like who had put the hit out. He just wants to kill everyone involved. Well, yeah, but, you know, he just did, like, he did a little torturing to try and get answers, and then he would kill them. Yeah. (laughs) He finally got the answer he was looking for, and when Pedro found the mastermind behind Maria's death, he waited until the perfect moment. Oh, my God. And then he and a few of the people he recruited crashed a wedding. The wedding of the head dude. Oh my god. At this dude's own wedding, Pedro murdered him. And then he and the guys that came with him murdered seven other people at the wedding, as well as injuring dozens of others. 
That sucks. Weddings are supposed to be fun. <laughs> Shit. And this all took place before he was 18. Fucking A. <laughs> right? Fucking A. Months after the wedding massacre, Pedro found out that he that the boyfriend of his cousin had got her pregnant and refused to marry her. So he hunted that guy down. Oh my god. And murdered him to get revenge for his cousin. Okay, now that baby doesn't have a father though. Yep. Okay, clearly thinking these plans out. But he wronged his cousin. He was finally arrested for the first time on May 24th, 1973. <laughs> wow. At the time of his arrest, he was placed in the back of a police car with two other criminals. I'm guessing it was like a van or something where the cops yeah, couldn't see the back. Yeah. Okay. Because when the cops like pulled up to the police station and oh, no. opened the back, uh-huh. Pedro was there and oh, no. one of the prisoners was there, but the one that like somehow he knew was a rapist, was murdered. And they were all handcuffed. Somehow he murdered this dude in the back of the car. Oh my god, he is prolific. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he took responsibility for the murder, justifying it by saying that the guy was a rapist, so he deserved it. Man. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Pedro was thrown in prison for 126 years. Okay. But... As the law in Brazil at the time would have it, you could only be sentenced for a maximum of 30 years, no matter what. See, that's always, like, so crazy to me. Like, I understand why you do it. Like, your point is to rehabilitate people, mm-hmm. but, like, some people cannot be rehabilitated. <laughs> so yep. that's just, like, nuts. Yep. Yeah, because it's weird. Like, why would you even, like, give him the sentence of 126 years when you know he's only serving 30 at the most? Yeah. Anyway, he's in prison where he is surrounded by convicts. Well, he's, like, super young. He's, like, under 20. Yeah. So if he gets out in 30 years, he's still young. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, he's surrounded by basically his prey, all these convicts that deserve to die. And he soon became known as Pedrino Matador, or Killer Pete. The other thing about it is, like, Let's say you kill someone and the sentence, like, here is 25 to life, you know. You might as well kill, like, as yeah. many people as you want to, because you're getting out in 30 years. Yeah, and this one, yeah. Because it wow. can only give you so many, like... Oh, my God. Okay. They, you know, you're not getting... Like, you can't... So, oh, yeah, so can years. you, like... You can't charge him for one murder, and then, you know, he's about to get out and charge him for another I think murder? it's, like, when you're in prison, you can only be in prison for 30 years at a time. That is so crazy. I don't know if it's still the case, but it was during this time. Well, that's what matters in this story. Yep. The next murder that Pedro committed was his own father. In prison? You see, Pedro's father, the man that he committed his first murder for... Oh my god. ...had murdered Pedro's mother. Oh my god. He cut her up into pieces (gasps) with a machete. Abusive piece of shit. And the father just so happened to be in the same prison as Pedro. Well, he deserves to be murdered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anyone deserves it. So Pedro paid him a visit. While visiting, Pedro stabbed his father 22 times, <gasps> killing him. With what? 
I don't know. Are they allowed knives in prison Maybe. Too? You get a whole cutlery set. I have no idea. I don't know how this prison like, works. Like, here's your prison silverware. Don't lose it because you won't get another set. Yep, yep. And the, you can get your knife sharpened down at the uh, knife sharpener. Okay, then to really add drama to the scene, he cut his father's heart out and took a bite. Where are guards or any kind of prison personnel during this visit? Second like free for all. He said that would take some time. Stop, 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 stop. Twenty-two times, then cut open, take the heart out, take a bite. Because you have to go through like ribs and shit. I don't know where he stabbed him. Oh, to cut open. To get the heart. heart. Yeah, okay. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where, where your his heart is, but well, you go up in from the bottom. Oh, you know, just reach around like a puppet. I just feel like it wouldn't come out that easily. Oh no, never tried. It's like attached to things. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck! this is brutal he said i just chewed it i cut the tip uh, of, of his heart off and chewed it uh-uh. and i threw it on top of his body he didn't like it yeah Ugh. he said while in prison his sentence was hiked up to 400 years that doesn't matter though even though he'd only served 30 jesus because he eventually murdered 47 inmates. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All of which he felt were the ones that deserved re- uh, retribution. Right. He was like... Because he gets to decide. Yeah, and I, I almost think that maybe the guards were kind of like, meh, he's cleaning up some of these people. Uh, Not going to do much about it. Yeah, in an interview, he said that he got a thrill out of killing other criminals and that his favorite method of murder was stabbing or hacking with blades. How? (laughs) How? Anything can become a blade if you want. How? I don't know. They're making shanks and stuff, right? I guess he would, like, sometimes match people's like the way that they were murdered oh or like the way that they had murdered someone he would like he was like dexter jesus christ brazilian dexter basically but like in prison but in prison while like guards are just like oh i'll just look away on this one here's a blade you know i know your favorite is the stabby stabby here you go yeah, like, hey, wow, you, this is nuts. You know, these prisoners only get 30 years, so if they're the real bad ones that are going back on the street and this guy kills them, nah, mm. I don't know. Yeah, but whose decision is that, yeah, you well, know? that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, vigilantism like, oh, is wrong. <laughs> he, like, tripped me accidentally and I spilled my yeah. bread on the floor, so he deserves to die or whatever, you know? Yeah. I almost said bread pudding, but I don't bread think they're getting pudding. bread pudding. I don't know. Maybe they're I'm making their own the bread pudding. Great British baking show too much. Mm, bread. They're all about their like puddings and things. But pudding but is not call, what we think yeah, it is. I was going to say, they call it like, bread pudding. Yeah, it's like a it's like a baked thing yeah. they call pudding. I'm like, that's not pudding. No. Does it have tapioca in it? No. Is it like kind of pudding? Semi liquid, semi solid? Is it the. Uh, what would you even call it? Pudding. <laughs> but we all know, uh, do not accept strangers' pudding. Or people you know is pudding. Only eat oh your own Oh my pudding. god, it always comes back to pudding. The world revolves around pudding. Jesus Christ. American pudding. 
Get yourself some American pudding. <laughs> None of that weird British stuff. <laughs> I don't quite get what it is, but... It's not good. pudding. It's not pudding. Mm -mm. Okay. Let's stop pudding. Pudding. British pudding down. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He said that he, he said that killing criminals was like adrenaline excitement, which I'm guessing is a bad translation, but it really pumped him up. I get it. Like, I get the vibe he's mm -hmm. going for. He even got a sweet tattoo on his arm that it either says, I love to kill or killing gives me pleasure. Uh-huh. Something like Prison that. Prison tattoo? Prison tattoo. Well, who knows? Maybe they had like a whole... Like, proper tattoo set in this prison. They could. You get your cutlery, you get a tattoo kit. Yeah. Uh, later on, he had that tattoo covered up with another tattoo, but... Another prison tattoo? I'm guessing. What if it's, like... It was, like, in school where they're like, oh, today we have the tattoo artist coming to visit. Like, <laughs> make sure you get your designs in if you want to get a tattoo. <laughs> Damn, if only. I feel like it'd be hard to cover up those words. Not really. Unless you just, like, black them out, or instead of, like, I love to kill, like, cross off kill and put something else. <laughs> <laughs> kittens. I love to kittens. Cross I off two. I love kittens. Love kittens. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that it was in Portuguese and not English. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> The other inmates obviously didn't like Pedro. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't think he's making many friends. No, and they would often try to have him killed. Oh. So try to beat him at his own game. Yeah, so mm -hmm. then it made him even more like, well, mm -hmm. they're attacking me, so You're I gotta kill him. You're just making his list even longer. One time he was ambushed by five guys Shit. intent on killing him, but he ended up killing three and the other two ran away. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you better hope he doesn't hunt Fuck. you down. Yeah. He, he sounds probably terrifying. did eventually. Mm -hmm. During his time served, he was always very respectful to the warden and the prison guards, and he never laid a finger on them, saying, I only kill bastards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if he just. They're didn't still want... not safe, though, because it's like if they did something that he them. determined was a bastard move. That's true. Yikes. Curtains. Curtains. Somehow, while in prison, he met another woman <laughs> who was in the women's prison, and they exchanged... Do they do, like, dances? They, like... From afar. Do shared activities, you know? We're like, oh, it's I'm... the Sadie Hopkins. Who are you going <laughs> to ask? Over in the men's prison. Oh, the women's prison is coming over for They're that. like, we're doing a single mingle. <laughs> What's it called? A mixer. Mixter. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Somehow they got each other's information and started exchanging letters. They're like a carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> and then after, so after serving 12 years for theft, the woman who hasn't been named. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she's serving 12 years for theft and he's serving 30 years for, for murdering. For killing like 120 <laughs> people. Basically. Wow. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. What did she steal? Who knows? Heck. She was able to go meet Pedro in prison after she got out. And they... So I'm wondering, like, how honest he is being in these letters. Oh, I don't... I mean, he probably thinks he's being honest. 
He's like, oh, just killed three more people bad guys, today. Killing bad guys, cleaning up the streets, making it safer for you and, she's and like, our future children. She's like, whoa, I was children. just in here for, like, stealing some, like, minor shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. He's, he's really helping out. He's helping the future of their children to be able to, like, walk the streets safely. God damn it. <laughs> uh, they were allowed conjugal visits. No, what? Okay, this doesn't even sound like prison. He's just like, like doing not whatever even the like, hell. Not he even wants. like, oh, there's a trailer that you get your conjugal yeah. visit. It's like she went into his cell. No, no, what? <laughs> oh God! During one of the visits, he thought he caught his cellmate spying on them, which is like, okay, you're in a room like like five room. by five. Like, where are you gonna Jesus hide? Jesus Christ! You, like, don't look! Don't look! That's so uncomfortable. Well, after the woman left oh, no. and he felt slighted, he murdered his cellmate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so romantic. Yeah. <sighs> Why did you pick this story? This is horrible. Because I was like, oh, a vigilante, that seems interesting. And then I was like, oh, oh, oh. Uh-oh. But none of them have like very good background information. I okay. mean, the background is, this dude is crazy. <laughs> He's out of his mind. So, I don't know how this happened. I'm guessing that this guy was in prison as well, but in 2002, there was a guy, I'm guessing in prison, because he was still in prison, so I don't know how he would have gotten to him Well, otherwise. who knows? Maybe he had a day off maybe, of prison. Yeah, maybe he took the, like, lunch, maybe on his lunch break he went. Yeah, like, what the hell is happening? He's like, oh, I got a weekend pass for good behavior. <laughs> Shit. Um, but this guy had, like, previously murdered Pedro's sister with a knife. Oh, my God. There's, like, so much tragedy in his life. Yeah. And so in 2002, he, like, got to this guy and beheaded him. Okay, well, I'm guessing if he murdered the sister that, yeah, maybe he was in prison for it, hopefully. I think so. Wow. And he said, about about this murder, he said, he was my friend, but I had to kill. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you can't just be, like, killing his sister and shit. You can't just be killing his sister. He served the 30 years, plus four extra for the murders that he did, committed while in prison. So somehow they kept him in for four extra years, but okay, no more. I was pushing yeah, it. Yeah, how many people did he kill in it. prison? 47. Right. And four years. Four for years for 47 murders. murders. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. And then he was released in 2007. Oh, good. He said the only motivation for being released was getting to see his girlfriend. Other than that, he didn't care if he was in prison or not. Well, why would he? It's I mean, like he spent not most of his t- life different. in prison anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The courts believed that he was rehabilitated, and he remained free until How? 2011. How are they like, oh yes, all this murdering that you did for Good the past 34 years, That's you're fine. clearly just, rehabilitated. Look, it was just the bastards. You didn't kill any wardens How or the, guards, this is like, so obviously you know right from wrong. <laughs> I think they were just like, oh, you're rehabilitated because you served your time. Yeah. You did your 30 years. Because clearly he wasn't getting like therapy or anything in there. No. I don't think so. Or, like, anger management, you know. You just got, like... You got you just do, do your 30 years of time, and then you're... you're it's like... Done. It's like, you know, in the Catholic Church where you just... 
You go to confession. You can murder yeah, someone as yeah. long as you go ask the priest to ask God to forgive you. You're well, good to go. Well, it's kind of like when you're little and you get like a timeout. Yeah. You know, you pull someone's hair, you get a timeout. Yeah. And then after you serve your time. You're good to go. You get, you're rehabilitated. You're not going to pull hair yeah. again. But if you're sitting in timeout pulling hair all along and they're well, like. you're serving your time as long as you You're rehabilitated. Hey, as long I'm saying is like if you were on timeout sitting in a chair and they were like, don't move from that chair and people are dangling their braids in front of you pull away and then it's like all right you're good you didn't you know but you didn't seek it out they tempted you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. murderous mm-hmm. <laughs> nope only he had the control over his own decisions hmm, isn't that weird oh yeah i don't know so in 2011 he was rearrested and placed under house oh, arrest what? for what on charges such as riot and deprivation of liberty committed while he was detained in Sao Paulo. I don't know what that means. It sounds like kidnapping? He started some kind of riot in prison or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, but what was the liberty? The liber- deprivation of liberty committed. Yeah, some kind of, like, not, not letting, letting someone, someone go. go. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds sketchy. So he was like... Between 2011 and 2018, I think, he was on house arrest for that stuff. How are you going to put him on house (laughs) arrest? Uh, They just do. I don't know. It's the Brazilian way or something. I'm not sure. They're like, well, I mean, he's rehabilitated, so what do you want us to do? Throw him back in prison? I don't understand. He learned his lesson. He stayed there for the 30 years. Plus four. Plus four. I mean, geez. He did his time plus some. Well, he was convicted again in 2018 for... Yeah, shocking. ...for participating in six riots. What are all these riots? And again, for deprivation of liberty. And then he was released the same year. So he actually went to prison that For time? like a month or two, and then he was released. I don't think they understand what rehabilitation means. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how full their prisons are. I don't know how, you know... They're just trying to get people through and out and be like, we did, we tried our best. They served their time. Not on us anymore. I don't know. But he officially murdered 71 people. Shit. Uh, 47 of them were people that he met in prison, but there are most likely more people that he killed outside uh, of prison. I would assume so. This guy had no self-control. One source says that he now works in a slaughterhouse, which I guess is fitting. fitting. Mm -hmm. And he kind of became a bit of a celebrity in Brazil. Oh my god. For his vigilantism. He has his own YouTube channel. No. A documentary and a movie in the works. (laughs) About what? His life. How are you going to go around (laughs) killing so many people and then... You're like out and about, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make a movie about you." Well, it's like the the guy that I did, um, the guy who the Japanese ate the woman. cannibal, yeah, Sarawa. yeah, yeah. He's a celebrity, and he's walking around selling books and shit. These are not the celebrities that we should have. <laughs> Let's just get rid of celebrities. They're like yeah. not helpful. No, they're horrible. They're pretty detrimental. They are. Real bad. Real bad. Bad okay. examples of how well, humans should be. Um, yeah. So some psychiatrists diagnosed him as the perfect psychopath. Yeah. 
while others say he's a sociopath. Okay. Criminologist and writer Ilana Kasoy said that he is an average vigilante-type serial killer with great intelligence who built his identity over the murders. I mean, he's pretty average, though. And since his release... like your typical vigilante serial killer. Like, how many vigilante serial killers are there? (laughs) Pretty regular. She's like, that's pretty typical. I don't know. Well, she said that since his release, he hasn't murdered again that we're aware of. (laughs) I just don't think he would just stop. I don't know. When asked if he would kill again, he said, No, I would only kill again if someone came to take my life or the lives of people I love, who are my family. So, so yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason that he gave for killing people before. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like, that's so his justification. Changed. He's he never changed. actually murdered anyone because if you, like, those are all evil people. So it wasn't really murdering. It was just wow. like ridding the earth of those bastards oh my god so is that the end yep fuck (laughs) what the fuck he's out now he's got a youtube channel fun don't watch it don't give him any more attention (laughs) uh well that was awful the tossed salad and the scrambled egg the tossed salad a scrambled egg the tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. So, I I don't know. I go back and forth between tossed salad and scrambled egg because of, like, while he was in the womb, he's got brain damage. Like, I think that has a huge... And, like, his first experience with other human beings is his dad like beating everyone and being a dick yeah it didn't sound like he had like any uh like safe adults in his life no or any like psychological assistance or you know and it seemed like i mean obviously every killer we talk about justifies their killings in some way but it seemed like in his like in his mind he like truly believes that like He's not doing anything wrong. He's just, like, ridding the world of bad guys. And, it, like, aren't we taught at, like, a young age there's, like, good guys and bad guys and the well, good guys are supposed to, like... the fact that, like, his punishment was to go to prison, but then somehow he was still allowed... And I'm going to say allowed because killing that many people... Without people, anyone interfering, yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like he was, like, allowed to continue on. No one ever told him, like, what you're doing is bad, apparently, you know... Yeah, I don't know. He sounds. It doesn't sound. Seem yeah, like I don't he's know. I don't know if he knows what he's doing is wrong because he justified it to himself. At the same time, like on some human level, he has to know. Maybe, I mean, he knows that he's killing people, but I just yeah. don't know that he thinks. I don't think that he thinks. That it's necessarily wrong. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's a little scrambled. Because I don't know what his, like, developmental, like, emotional age is or anything like that. 
And if he, I mean, when you're a kid and you're like, oh, like, like, I don't know, you're playing like knights and dragons or something. Like, you don't think like, oh, if I kill the dragon, then the dragon's babies aren't going to have anyone to take care of it. And then who's going to, you know, like, you don't think about that. You just think like good and evil. And it's very black and white thinking. Yeah. And like. I don't understand why you would be upset if I killed the dragon. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to eliminate the bad guys. I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm not just... I'm just trying to, like, think no, of what... No, I know. Yeah. What, like, how he's thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows how he's thinking. I mean, yeah, he could totally be bullshitting, be... and he could be a tossed salad. I just don't see why he would but... ever think that it's wrong when, like I said, he didn't even face any punishment. He's like, well, I don't really care if I get released. Yeah, I I'm mean, like kind of, you know, living I mean, my life anyway. his dad, like, murdered his mom. Yeah. His sister was murdered. Yeah. You know. Yeah, what's, all the, what's with all these, like, women being murdered by significant others? Hmm. Uh, intimate partner violence. Knock it off. Uh, knock it off. Yucky, yucky. Yeah, that was, like, all bad. <laughs> all bad. Okay. Well. It, yeah. Are we ready for mine, though? I guess. Sorry, mine was short, but... No, that was fine. Um, okay, so I don't know how this is going to go. Good. I... It was one of those where I thought it was one thing, and now I'm kind of like... Is it? Yeah. Oh. And it all depends on the article you read. Oh. And then so I'd read one article, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it totally oh. is this. And then I'd read another one, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So... Yeah, so hopefully this all is, like, coherent and makes sense and whatever, but I just, like, kept adding to it because I'd read an article and then I'd be like, oh, it's totally this way, and then another one, so. I got my information from Huffington Post, like, a few different pages, NBC News, Wikipedia, ABC News, The Guardian, AL.com, and one called MamaMia.com, and then I was, I found, like, this really good article at first, it was, like, really good, and then I was, like, I don't know where they're getting all this information, and then all of a sudden, like, the grammar started getting Uh really bad, and I was, like, Uh, what the hell, and then I got to the very end, and it was, like, the little, like, about me, and it was, like, I'm 16 years old, and I love, like, writing, and, like, whatever, whatever, and I was, like, what, like, how much of this is made up, like, what? I had that same thing with so when I was weird. researching this case. It was like, but then I realized that it was like a, tr- it was, it was like originally written in like some other language that was like translated, but it was weird because the first half was like really like, it, it seemed like it was well written yeah. and it used like a lot of like big words yeah. and like correct grammar. And then as sl- as it went down, it got slowly yeah. worse and worse. So yeah. I'm like, Dude, are robots writing this stuff? So, props to you, 16-year-old, but then, you know, just, like, read over what you're writing. Okay, so, Christina Mae Thomas was born in West Germany on February 13th, 1977, and she was put up for adoption. Mm -hmm. She was adopted on January 24th, 1980, by Tommy and Cindy Thomas. That's right, Tommy Tommy Thomas. Thomas. (laughs) She and her younger sister were raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh. She went to the University of Alabama at Birmingham, where she got engaged. Her mom didn't approve of the engagement, so Tina ended it. Oh, she goes by Tina, by the way. Oh. Wow, she just ended it because her mom was like, no. Uh, And then she met David Gabriel Watson, and he goes by Gabe, while she was engaged. And then he started asking her out immediately, and she was like, no, I'm engaged. Yeah. And then he... He just, like, would not give up because he was, like, no, we have to go out. Like, 
Red flag, red flag, red yeah. flag. So then after she called off her engagement, her mom's like, hell no. She finally agreed to go out with him, and then they began dating in January of 2001. They both graduated from the University of Alabama. After they graduated, Gabe began working at his father's company, and a few articles said that he was a bubble wrap salesman. What? Like a door-to-door <laughs> bubbles wrap salesman? That's what I'm, like, imagining. <laughs> and, like, going up, and like, check this one out. Different sizes. And yeah. And, like, test them out and yeah. pop them. And, I mean. I just, like, that's what he, that's, like, all he sold. Wrap? Just bubble wrap. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> And Tina worked at, like, a clothing store. Also, like I said, some of this information may or may not be accurate. Gabe also loved scuba diving. Tina Mm. wasn't a huge fan, but it was, like, Gabe's hobby. So she wanted to start doing what he liked doing so they could, like, do it together. So she started taking lessons in 2003. That's, like, one thing that, like, I mean, yeah, sure, take up hobbies to do stuff together. But, like, scuba diving... If it's I something you like don't like, yeah, like I feel don't like you're do either it. into it or you're yeah. not. Because scuba diving, like you gotta, you have to relearn how to breathe. I feel like I would panic. Yeah. So that's immediately, my, I would feel the same way. Like, no, thank <laughs> I you. I mean, it sounds cool. Like you get to like explore underwater and stuff, but I but feel I like don't want to be underwater exploring. Have a panic attack. I don't want those slippery fish to touch me or I don't want look at me. Yeah, I don't want any or like a dolphin to assault me. Like I don't want I'll any. Drag of that. you down to a cave. Yeah, no thank you. Or even just, like, breathe wrong and then die from breathing in water yeah. or something. Mm-mm. Or, or like, have having go out a or something. panic attack yeah, nope. because you feel funny when you're underwater nope. and then you, like, I feel the die. same way about space as I do water. Let's, we're land creatures. Let's stay on the land. Oh, I would like to go to the moon. What? Yeah. How do you not feel claustrophobic about going up there? Because I've always wanted to go to the moon. I've always wanted to fly. You know. Get in a hot air balloon. You don't need to go. (gasps) I've always wanted to do that too. That's fine. That's super dangerous though, apparently. Well, at least you're like closer to Earth. I don't know. Uh, I I agree with that Goop article about one of the best gifts to give is a hot air balloon ride that's like $5,000 or whatever. I was like, yes, please. Who's giving me that for Christmas? Your birthday's coming up. Birthday list. Mom, Mom, you know, you asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said a kitty, but I changed my mind. (laughs) Also, I didn't just ask for a kitty because I'm irresponsible. I just, you know, I would take good care of a kitty. (laughs) I just want to say, don't get a kitty unless you're prepared. Uh, Never get pets for people as gifts. That is the worst pet. I mean, worst idea (laughs) to give a a gift. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I wouldn't be angry about it, though. Well, you're a responsible pet owner, but most people... And my kitty needs a, a friend. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, so Tina had a heart condition when she was little. Like, her heart beat too fast, but then she had surgery, and then the doctor who gave her the surgery was like, it was fixed. Like, she's okay. fine. So her parents were worried about her diving because of her past, like, heart oh, yeah. problems. Uh, so her father was, like, told Gabe, like, I'm really worried about her diving. Like, I don't think she should be doing it. And Gabe was just like, you know, it's fine. Like, Tina loves diving. So, okay. like, whatever. Then, in February, Gabe asked Tommy for permission to marry his daughter. Tommy was reluctant, but he was like, okay, well, at least he asked. We didn't really give him an answer. And then, <laughs> I guess, like, Tina's parents never liked any of her boyfriends. Ah. And they didn't like Gabe either. They just seemed, like, very, like, overly protective. No one's good enough. Yeah. No one's good enough for their daughter. So, on October 11th, 2003, Gabe and Tina got married. They were 26 years old. 
They got married in Birmingham, Alabama, and friends said that it was her dream wedding, and it was, like, amazing, and it went off without a hitch, but there it was, like, also really tense because Tina's parents were super unhappy about it, and mm-hmm. then I guess the rehearsal dinner was, like, really awkward because oh, no. they did not approve, but she still had her dream wedding, so it was fine. Uh... Then... On October 15th, 2003, the newlyweds arrived in Australia for their honeymoon. Uh-oh. They spent a week sightseeing before in Sydney before they went on a week-long diving excursion off the coast of Townsville. Week-long? Yeah, so no. they spent one week like sightseeing and going to the Sydney Opera House and like the zoo or something and she got to see like she wanted to see like the turtles. Mm-hmm. or something so they did what she wanted to do and then he was like oh let's do this week-long diving thing you're gonna get really pruney for a week <laughs> and seasick like Yuck. so seasick you can't keep anything down you're dehydrated well, obviously they're going to australia to go scuba diving because that's like prime scuba great barrier reef yeah amazing so gabe was like super experienced as a scuba diver he had had like 50 dives And he was also apparently certified as, like, a search and rescue diver. So, uh, so Gabe's mom said that the whole diving trip was Tina's idea originally. It was going to be a graduation gift for Gabe. But then they were like, oh, we might as well just stretch it out over two weeks so we can both do what we want to do. And Gabe's dad, David Watson, and Gabe's grandmother paid ten thousand dollars for their honeymoon for two week for two week yeah because i think it's expensive to like you know get cruises they did like a week-long cruise where they were like diving all the time yeah so fucking crazy so they got aboard the spoil sport which was a four and a half star luxury resort on water couldn't splurge for the five star (laughs) extra half a half star extra you just got a four and a half okay i mean ten thousand dollars after ten thousand dollars you might just like might as well do fifteen thousand dollars might as well do (laughs) twenty so there were 25 passengers 12 crew members and three commercial divers aboard on October 22nd, the couple go scuba diving at the Great Barrier Reef's historic Yong- Yongala dive site. Mm-hmm. The Yongala was a passenger and cargo ship that sank oh. off Cape Bowling Green, Queensland, Australia on March 23rd, 1911. It was going from Melbourne to Cairns and... Like, it ran into a cyclone what? and sank. So, what? There was, like, apparently there was, like, a cyclone warning, and, like, all the ships got it, except for this one hadn't been equipped with, like, a wireless warning oh, device good. yet, so they didn't hear about it, and, like, all the other ones went into the bay to, like, be protected, and they, like, just went right into it, and then Holy they think it, like, shit. scraped, like, a rock underneath, yeah. and then it sank. So, 122 people died. Oh, my God. And they couldn't find the ship until, like, days later when cargo and wreckage began to wash ashore at Cape Bowling Green and at Cleveland Bay. Uh, Did you say what kind of ship that was? It was a steamer, cargo, passenger, steamer ship. So, okay, so they're doing, like, a a dive, like, to go um, exploring a sunken ship. Yeah, so the wreck became a tourist attraction and a dive site 
And the wreckage wasn't found until 1958. Whoa. Yeah. That's a long time after. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, Gabe was super experienced and he had his search and rescue qualifications. Tina wasn't so experienced. She had only had 11 dives and they were all like in a quarry, like practice dives. Uh. So she'd never been in the open water. She'd never been like saltwater diving. It was just like very basic practice diving. Damn, and now you're going to the Great Barrier Reef? Yeah. So Tina was apparently nervous about it. And she, like some people say that she felt pressured by her husband to start diving. Yeah, it sounds like it. But her husband was like, no, you know, she like loved diving. So I don't know if she like to him was like, oh, I love it. And to her friends, she was like, I'm scared. <laughs> or yeah, so I'm like, how what? do you know she loved diving? She practiced in a quarry 11 times. It does, to me, that's like, I'm just dipping my toe in. I think I'm going to like it. I don't know. I'm doing it because I want to be with you and you do it. Yeah. It doesn't scream. I love it. <laughs> No. Okay, so the dive that they were going on at this, like, steamer ship, it was called a red dive, which is only meant for advanced divers. Oh, no. The couple twice refused offers of an orientation dive with instructors while on the trip. Why? Because he's probably like, I already know. I'm too experienced. I don't need that. And I think she, like, trusted him. He's, like, a search and rescue guy. So she's like, okay, well, like, we'll be together and we're going to be fine. Oh, man. So, okay. So the reason why this is a red dive is because there's a really strong current and it's also a 50-foot dive. No, thank you. Okay, so Gabe said that Tina didn't let him know how inexperienced that she was diving. How would she? What? And that she was, like, really excited and didn't seem nervous at all. Whoa, okay. There's no way that he didn't know how inexperienced she was. If he knew she started diving when they met or when they're together, and... He, I would assume she would be like, okay, I'm going to, like, diving practice, or okay. Like, he knows that she's gone 11 times. Yeah, I don't... And not to 50 feet in the ocean with a current. Terrifying. What Terrifying. I don't know. What a fucking idiot. So, at about 10.30 a.m. on October 22nd, the two got in the water as dive buddies, which is a system that they use in scuba diving where divers have responsibility for each other. So you, like, keep an eye on your dive buddy. Yeah. You, like, monitor each other. You, like, monitor each other's equipment. And then you stay close enough in case of emergency. You can help them, like, grab them, whatever you need to do. Good idea. (laughs) the couple planned to travel down the anchor line, drift across the top of the wreck, pick up a second line, and return to the surface. Sounds easy enough. The only adverse conditions that day were a strong current. So we Which gotta like typical. hold on tight to that rope or something. I don't know. I'm this sure whole thing terrifies do. me yeah. so much. I don't, I don't like know. It. So okay, so then they have like a like a computer. They have like a little like device on them to like give them you know like their oxygen, Rings, like to give them yeah. like all the information. So Gabe's dive computer alarm activated when he got in the water which signaled something was wrong with his computer so he later later said that he had the batteries in backwards and then Uh, they got out he fixed it and then they got back in the water i wonder i don't know you probably don't know i wonder if this was like he brought his own equipment or they borrowed the the cruise equipment or whatever yeah i don't know i feel like they probably rent 
Because like, why would you be putting your battery? Why would you be putting batteries into like your computer if you're renting it? They should. Unless it's like that thing where you pack your own parachute. (laughs) Like I don't want to be responsible. I don't know. I have no idea. Um. Okay, so they get out of the water and then they get back in and they're like on the little dinghy and they get into the actual dive site. There were four other divers in the dinghy with them, including the dive coordinator Wade Singleton. Within minutes, the severity of the current hit, and they were like, fuck, this current is strong. Yikes. So Gabe said, as soon as we let go, we were moving, moving quite a bit. It was definitely not what I was expecting, and neither was Tina. So at 45 feet, Tina signaled to Gabe that she wanted to surface, and as they both began to swim against the current towards the dive boat, Tina became fatigued, and Gabe began to tow her. Okay. He said, I stuck out my right hand. She grabbed it with her left, and we both started swimming back to where we came. The current prevented them from making much progress, so he said, I turned to her, grabbed my inflator hose, and motioned to her, you know, fill it up, thinking that she's going to understand. Put some air in your buoyancy compensator, and Mm -hmm. we'll start floating up. Nothing happened from the inflator hose. Uh That was when I realized, you know, we're, this isn't good. We're in trouble. So I reached out and grabbed a hold of the buoyancy compensator. Uh Buoyancy. Buoyancy. Strap right there, and I just pulled her in, and then I turned and started heading back to the anchor rope. I was scared to death. He turned back. And tried to yell, swim, swim, Tina, swim, he said. All of a sudden, I just felt this whack across my face, and my mask got, like, turned off to the side of my face. What the fuck? Gabe let go of Tina to replace his mask, and when he turned back to look, Tina was 10 feet down and sinking. What? She was face up, and she had her arms up. She was reaching out for me to grab a hold of her. I kind of just turned on my head and gave a few kicks down to see if I could grab her, and she was still out of arm's reach, and that, I just decided to go and find somebody wait a second okay Mm -hmm. they're following this rope down Mm -hmm. then at 45 feet she's like i don't want to do this anymore let's go back up Mm -hmm. but she couldn't like pull herself up the rope because the current was like pushing down i think they go down to a certain depth and then they're supposed to float across Oh, and, then and then grab go. another rope and get up. And then so the they were like, was too they were trying to, get to swim to get back. They like went down and I think they start, then the current like pulled them away and they were like trying to go back to, from where they came from oh. because they didn't want to do the whole drift across because they were like, Mm-mm. it's too strong. So he said, I don't think I was making rational choices at that point. I don't know what I would have done had I stayed with her. I don't know that there's anything that I was actually capable of doing. Fuck. So he got up in a controlled way to avoid injury, like you have to, so you don't get the bends. Uh And then at the surface, he yelled for help, and a dive master raced to find Tina. (sighs) The instructor, Wade Singleton, saw Tina lying face up on the ocean floor. He quickly brought her to the surface and on a different boat called the Jazz 2. And so Gabe was on the spoil sport, and they brought Tina on the other boat. Singleton and another crew member named Uzi Barney performed CPR, and together they spent 40 minutes trying to resuscitate Tina. What the fuck? Her husband stayed on the spoil sport, and I guess he was, like, apparently asking for hugs from the other people on the boat. Uh-uh. And then 
They said that he only came near Tina after she was dead. What the fuck happened? How did she have an oxygen tank? Is she like just died down there? Well, we'll talk about it. Uh oh. So according to Barney, one of the guys who tried to resuscitate her, he said that Gabe Watson made strange clucking noises when he first saw his wife's lifeless body. It didn't look like he was crying. Clucking? I don't know. (laughs) And they're like, wow, it's weird. In Australia, we cry when we're sad. Apparently in America, you cluck like a chicken. Well, we are a weird people. (laughs) We are a weird people. Yeah, that's true. So, Wade Singleton said that when he rescued Tina, all of her equipment was working, and she had two-thirds of a tank of air remaining. He also said it took him just 90 seconds to bring her to the surface. What the fuck? But apparently, Gabe took twice as long to travel half the distance on his way up. And he's an expert. Right. So, Wade dove down from the surface, 90 seconds, grabs her and brings her back. Then he took a mate... Apparently 120 seconds to go up, but that's disputed. But anyway, Tina was pronounced dead at 11.21 by two doctors aboard the boat. Holy shit, they, like, were there at 10.30 and she's dead not even an hour later? Yeah, they got in at, like, 10.12 or something. Wow. Yeah. So, Tina was the fourth American to die in North or Central Queensland waters over a 12-month period. That's not a good track record. No. Maybe we should stop clucking. Uh, yeah. So about it was about 6 a.m. in Birmingham when Gabe's father got the call. Gabe told his father that Tina had drowned, and he said the rest of the conversation was just a blur. Yeah, like, oh, hi, you're, fo- you're calling us from your honeymoon. How are things yeah. going? Oh, by the way, my new wife just drowned. 11-day, our 11-day marriage, and it's over. <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck? So then they called Tina's father on his cell phone, and Tommy Thomas was out of town on business, and he said that he'd hurry home and ask them to wait before notifying the rest of the family. Gabe's mother was on a flight to Australia that day. She went to, to her son at a local hotel where a counselor from the dive company was with Gabe, and his mom said, I knew if I cried, he would be lost forever, and he felt like he had to stay strong for me. They visited Tina several times at the morgue, where she was kept in a hospital-like bed, as as is the culture, mm-hmm. or, you know. And Gabe said, no, wait, I don't know. Okay, so his mom said... He could talk to you, but I don't think he was aware of a lot of things. He said, I don't really know what it means to lose a wife because she was only my wife for 11 days. But as far as losing the other the other of half of me, my soulmate, I do. Okay, I was going to say, you dated longer than 11 days, right? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you knew, like... Like, wife is just a title. Like, you yeah, had a relationship with this person. People think it changed, like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so on October 27th, Australian police interview Gabe. He told them the story about how they went in the water, the current was stronger than he had realized. He, they were, like, swimming up together. She knocked the thing off his face. He went to put it back on, and by the time he went back to grab her, she was sinking. And what hit him in the face? She did, apparently. She, like, she was, was that- flailing oh. and knocked the mask off his face. 
So then the police interview turned into an interrogation. Yeah. They were like, what the fuck happened? Fellow passengers came forward saying that Gabe's story didn't add up. Mm -hmm. Police started comparing it to the dive computer, which was like a wristwatch-sized device that records, like I said, like air pressure, oxygen, and other data, like how far you're down and, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And they took that as evidence. And one article said that he was like really upset when they took his dive computer thing. It's like, be careful, the batteries flip around. Sometimes it doesn't work right. <laughs> the readings like are just bad because of those flippy batteries. And then, so it was several weeks before they could leave Australia. When they got back to Alabama, the families met and planned to hold a funeral service for Tina. They got like a pastor to preside. And at the funeral, the tension was so high that they had to open up two rooms to separate the families. Yeah, I mean, it seems like so far it's a lot of like, oh, poor Gabe. Oh, is Gabe okay? And no one's like, um, this woman who had a family just died. Well, that part of the article. Suspicious death. That part of the article is like Gabe's mom. Okay. Like Gabe's side of the family's story. Okay. Which is like obviously very sympathetic towards him. Yeah. After the funeral, there was little contact between the two families, and then a power struggle over Tina's estate ensued. And there were other battles, including over Tina's grave. So Tina's family, like, had her buried in one spot, and then Gabe moved her body Mm -hmm. to a bigger plot shortly after the burial. And then police at one point got him on camera using bolt cutters to remove flowers from the site that his family had put there. And then his Gabe's mom said that someone repeatedly stole angel ornaments that she had placed on the grave. So both sides of the family like, like fighting over where she's buried and then like who's leaving what on her grave. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't why? know. Why? What the hell is the point of that? I don't know. And then the people who were close to Gabe said that he was in a fog and he just kind of like stayed at his parents' house for a couple of months before he finally went to the home that he shared with Tina. And his brother like joined him there. He So I guess they like bought a house together and what happened was Tina had, like, $12,000 of, like, student loans Mm -hmm. that Gabe took on her debt because her debt-to-income ratio wouldn't have been good enough for the loan to get the house. Mm. But then I think Gabe's parents, like, paid for the down payment for the house. Well, yeah, they gave him $10,000 for a two-week vacation. Like, Jesus Christ. Well, bubble wrap is a good industry to get into. (laughs) Shit. They've got their, like, bubble wrap kingdom. What's it called? They're, like, bubble wrap. Bubble. Legacy, their oh. bubble wrap. You know what I'm trying to say? Bubble wrap. Um, uh, oh, God, it's warm in this room. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's getting hotter by the minute. Bubble wrap. Dynasty. I don't know. You know what I'm trying Dynasty, to say. Dynasty, sure. Okay, so... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so his brother said... No, his mother said... He didn't drink, date, party, go on trips, spend money. He came back and started working on paying off her debt. That was just the kind of kid he was. He joined a support group and continued to grieve. His father said that he never smiled. He never laughed. He would come to the office, but to say he was involved or participating, no. At some point, he began to hear the talk. So in 2004, the Thomases, they contacted Helena, 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 please, for help in finding answers in Tina's death. In April 2006, 
the family and Hel- Helena police I mean, went it could be either way. public with their concerns. They believed that foul play was involved and started to share their suspicions like nationwide. Yeah, about I mean, Gabe. They're like spreading shit. It just doesn't really make sense. You take your newly your new wife who you know, you know has only been on 11 dives. Well, he said he didn't know. He knows. There's no fucking way that he doesn't know. There's no way. Because if she's doing that for him as a hobby to join him, she's making it a point to be like, see, look, I'm doing this, and I'm going, I'm taking this class. We'll see you, like... unless, unless she knew that he loved diving, so she just kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm a diver, too, and then, like, kind of secretly took diving lessons. That doesn't seem I don't know. I don't know. So, by this time, uh, 2006, Gabe had started dating someone introduced to him by a former girlfriend Mm. her name is kim i think i get i say her name later okay so kim 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 was two years younger and they were both from hoover high they talked on the phone for hours before meeting and then she said that by the time they met she knew virtually everything that had happened okay so November thirteenth, two thousand seven, and she died like four on years what year? later, two thousand three. Okay. A coroner's inquest into the incident begins in Australia. More than sixty-five witnesses, which is weird, from around the world gave testimony in person and by telephone. Well, they're probably like character witnesses too. I have something. no fucking idea. I think by that time, like it was such a huge story. That everyone was like, I know, I have yeah, something. Yeah, I, I saw that. something suspicious or whatever. So 65 people from around the world were like, yeah. we have information. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gabe didn't intend or testify this inquest. So an inquest is kind of like a grand jury here. So they're just trying to see if they have enough evidence to go to trial. Okay. An autopsy showed that the only injuries to Tina were bruises from the resuscitation attempt and an air embolism that likely occurred during her rescue ascent. Okay, but bruises from that can hide bruises from other things. Well, I don't think that she would have gotten... Well, we'll talk about how they think that she died. Okay, so Dr. Carl Edmonds is a diving medical expert who examined the case, and he was prepared to testify for the defense. He said that in context of diving accidents, Tina's death was neither mysterious nor suspicious. He said she was doing a dive to a depth that she had never been to before in conditions she'd never experienced before. It all fits together as a very common drowning incident. Michael McFadden, another diving expert, was also prepared to testify for the defense. So this is like, you know, defense witnesses, so take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. He also agreed. He said he wouldn't take Tina Watson or any diver with her lack of experience on the dive She's never been scuba diving in the ocean, never been in salt water, never been in a place where there's wave actions or currents. So these two doctors said the first three to four minutes of Tina Watson's dive were normal, and she and her husband followed the anchor line down 30 feet. And it was in the fifth minute, this is like so quick, 
fifth minute that they let go of the anchor line mm-hmm. and Tina began to sink involuntarily and that's when the trouble began. Okay. Yes? <laughs> well, I'm like, at who? At what point is it, like, whose fault for not, I mean, I guess, like, she's volunteering saying, oh, I'm an expert, I can dive, I can do this red dive or whatever it's called. Yeah. But, like, who's checking up on, the, like, because it seems like diving to that depth like, you're putting a lot of faith as the crew being like, okay, you say, like, are they signing waivers? Probably. Like, is, is the know. husband vouching? Like, who's vouching for these people being well, like... Well, the fact that they were asked twice, like, do you need a guide? And they they were like, no, two times. Then it's kind of like, yeah, like, whose responsibility is it? They, like, offered, and they're like, this is a hard dive. Like, are you sure you don't want anyone? And they're like, no, we're fine. And then I think, like, on her part, like, she's probably like, oh, he, like, my husband is such an expert. Like, I she's trust. She's going to take care of me. Yeah, I trust yeah. that we're going to be fine. And then he, like, panicked or whatever happened. So Dr. McFadden said, sinking this way makes you very unsettled. Yeah. It also makes you swim in a vertical situation instead of being horizontal like you should, which takes a lot more effort. And did they say, like, why? Like, why were you, why, what causes the sinking? Like, what, you're just down so far that... Well, I think, I think that she got, like, the current was really strong, and then she, like, kind of, like, you know, got upright to be, like, let's go up, and then they're, like, trying to swim. I don't know, I think you, like, panic, and then you start trying to do, you know, like, if you're trying to get to the surface, you're trying to swim up towards the surface instead of doing... Like, when you're stuck in, like, an undertow, you're supposed to swim horizontally, but, like, yeah, in your mind, you're, you're like, like, I gotta, gotta get, get to the out, surface. Get air, yeah. So, I think that she was doing that, and then she was sinking, and then that's, like, you know, then you get exhausted and scared, because you're not making any progress. If anything, you're, like, making less progress. Edmund said that Tina motioning back to the anchor line was sensible, except that it doesn't take into account the effort of the current. So had they gone back to the line, it would have worked. Unfortunately, they only got halfway back to the line. Fuck. And because she was overweighted, because she was swimming against a current, she's exerting herself greatly. And we know that because of her air consumption, which is unbelievably high, she was also panicking. Well, she was like which I could tell from her little, like, yeah. So panicking made her overbreathe, then aspirate water through the regulator in her mouth, eventually losing consciousness and sinking to the ocean floor, is what Edmonds said. The autopsy was very clear. The findings were that she was drowning and that she had air embolism. If you look at the statistics on diving fatalities, the two commonest causes of death, which is commonest a word, are drowning in about 70% and air embolism in about 14%. I am getting so claustrophobic right now thinking about this. I know. Being at the bottom, like on the bottom, on the floor of the ocean. And then having to like stay calm because if you don't, then you could like suck water at like, oh God, oh God. Gabe returned to the U.S., obviously, and the investigation continued in Australia. Um, I don't know why I said this. Okay. So back home, back at the funeral, Amanda Phillips, Tina's maid of honor, said she saw Gabe show photos at Tina's funeral of her standing in front of a sign that read, Caution Drowning. Kind of ironic, I guess. I don't know. What? Gabe also allegedly stood at Tina's casket with Amanda. According to Amanda, she said that Tina looked pretty, to which Gabe replied, at least her breasts look perky. 
What? Which I really hope that didn't occur. Yeah, that sounds... I mean... Two weeks after she died, Gabe supposedly told Amanda that he'd considered increasing Tina's life insurance coverage to $1 million. And it's a good thing we didn't do do that, otherwise I'd be in an Australian jail right now on involuntary manslaughter charges, he told her. Bro. (laughs) Tina's father, Tommy, said that his daughter sought advice from him days before she got married. Thomas claims that Gabe asked his bride-to-be to max out her life insurance policy through her work. Uh, to $130,000 and to name him as the beneficiary instead of her dad. What? Tommy said that he told his daughter not to worry about it, to tell her husband that she made the changes, but then they could not fix it after it. the wedding. Yeah. But, so, the like, his mother said that they went before, they went together before they got married to talk about, like, raising life insurance and, like, changing names or whatever, and then apparently Gabe was making an appointment for December to wait to do that until after they got back. So it's all, like, who really knows? The human resources manager at Tina's work said that her policy was worth only $33,000 and that her father was still, like, on the, was still the recipient. Good. Alonda Thomas, Tina's sister, said that Gabe told her he was ready to move on with his life at Tina's funeral. Wow. Just two weeks after she drowned. After being married for 11 days and then two weeks later you're like, all right, well, that was long enough to grieve. I clocked like a chicken for long enough. She told, so she said, he told me that I needed to realize that he had his time in Australia to grieve. And oh, he yeah. was over the grieving process. The whole week. But, I mean... But then according to his mom, like, he was out of sorts for, like, months and, you know, so who fucking knows? I mean, at the funeral, were they even together? Because it sounds like the families were totally separate. I don't know. Well, it sounds like the families were feuding all the time anyway. Yeah, so it just depends on who's... Right, well, of course... Of, you read. I mean, of course his mom's gonna be like, no, he had a very normal reaction and he was crying and he had a hard time and then... The other people are like, um, he like literally asked her to change her life insurance policy in his name the then, day before their marriage, their wedding, like, that's well, sketchy before. as fuck. Yeah, but then I think that's like a common thing, like to reassess your life insurance when you get married or when you're going to get married. I feel like that's like a grown up thing to do. I don't know. But... I guess. I just think like, why are you having life insurance? That just like makes people want to kill you. Unless you have, like, kids and it's, well, like, yeah. for them, but they don't have kids. Right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, like, grown up enough to understand life insurance. I don't get it. I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. Okay, so back to Australia. The coroner there named David Glasgow, he concluded that Gabe held his wife underwater turned the valve off her air cylinder until she suffocated, switched the air back on, and then let her sink to her death. Whoa. The coroner cited inconsistencies in Gabe's interviews with police and claimed that Tina's and the claim claims of Tina's father about the insurance as a reason for his decision. He also said that he excluded the possibility presented by Gabe's attorneys that Tina's death is an accident caused by her heart issue. So they said like her heart problem caused um she like panicked and then vomited 
and then, like, died mm. from anxiety and mm-hmm. panic. So, Coroner Glasgow said, A properly instructed jury could make a finding of guilt against David Gabriel Watson on a charge of murder. After the inquest's conclusion in January 2008, Glasgow ruled Gabe should stand trial for the murder of his wife. I mean, at the very least, like, in my mind, he put her in a situation that she was probably going to fail at, considering it was an expert-level dive. Yeah. He knows she's not an expert-level diver. I don't care what he says. Yeah. Like, at some point, he's like, it's like negligence at the very least, like, that he knew she, this was not a good idea for her to be here, and he went ahead with it anyway, even if, you know, if he murdered her intentionally or not well at the same time though like she chose to go to like you need to know your own limits too though you have to be like okay this is like an expert level dive i am far from advanced at Wait, diving but like you said like she probably she did it because him, she but... trusted him so like what is he saying to her like don't worry about it so he knows if she's like I don't know. if she's like going to him being like I don't know, like, I'm on, like, I don't know, like, I trust you that we're gonna, this is gonna be fine. It's but like, he said she didn't. He said that she wasn't nervous at all. Bullshit. I don't know. There's no way. In the meantime, on August 15th, hey, hey. Happy birthday. Thanks. 2008, <laughs> Gabe Watson married Kim Lewis. Mm-hmm. And Kim looks a lot like Tina. So he has a type. Kim is a seventh grade teacher. Okay. Okay, November 28th. Gabe is indicted on a murder charge in Australia, and he returns to go to trial. Australian police staged a mock drowning near a shipwreck off the Great Barrier Reef to test Gabe Watson's statements about where he was when his bride sank to her death. Mm -hmm. A Queensland police scuba diver who took part in the recreation said that every time he dropped a dummy from the spot where Watson said his wife slipped from his hold, it landed on or near the sunken ship. At the dive site, according to the, according to him. Okay, but Tina's body was found about 50 feet away from the boat. Hmm. But Judge Tommy Nail Hmm. wasn't sure about the testimony because he thought, like, he wasn't sure that it was, like, like, similar enough conditions right like to was prove. the current stronger that yeah. day was this so it's kind of yeah it's kind of iffy that. okay tina's dive computer showed that her body lay on the ocean floor for about 10 minutes wow wade singleton who dove down said oh. he found her and pulled her to the surface when he saw her dive buddy was not around the 89-foot ascent took about 90 seconds. Damn, that's fast. So... So why was she down there for 10 minutes? If but then the other him... thing... The other thing is that the dive watches can, like, differ. I don't know. There's, like, some discrepancy in what they're recording. But, yeah, so who and knows? When they, went, when they went down, him and Tina, it was just the two of them going down? No, there were... I, know there I were think more... there were, like, three other... Two or three other divers, but like I going think. at the same time, like yes, they were because all in the boat. you can. There is a picture. This guy took a picture of his wife, and in the background, you can see Singleton going towards Tina, and Tina like on the ocean floor with her arms up. What? Yeah. 
Okay. So there are so, other people down there. So there's other people that are like, yeah, uh, we but were all not, down there for 10 minutes. Well, I don't know, but they're not keeping tabs, you know, because they but have their diet buddy, buddy yeah. and they're not, like, watching anyone else. I mean, this guy took a picture. He clearly didn't know that Tina was, like, mm-hmm. in the picture. So Singleton also said that he talked to Gabe after after Tina had died and Gabe told him that he tried to pull Tina to the surface, but she flailed and like knocked his mask. And when he repositioned it, that it was too late to grab her. Stanley Stutz, a Chicago emergency room doctor was diving in Australia then near Gabe. And Stutz said when he first saw Tina, she was in distress. She was facing up and thrashing her arms and legs, none of which is normal for a diver. And he said she looked afraid. I thought, wow, that something terrible might happen. He said he saw other divers in the area within about 10 feet and hoped somebody could save her. Wow. Another diver then came into the picture, he said. I can tell there was something wrong with her before he got her. My perspective was that he was helping her. Uh-huh. He said that diver, later identified as Gabe, embraced her under the armpits like he was trying to bring her to the surface. So he got to her. Well, so there's confusion here. So then the prosecution was like, that's when you grabbed her, turned her air off, let her die, turn it back on, and then drop her. But there's like another... But then like someone said that maybe what Stutz had had seen was um, when Singleton grabbed her and brought her to the surface. I mean, how can you distinguish one diver from another, though, you know? So I don't know. So then Stutz said, I didn't know what it was at the time, but just watching what I had in front of us that maybe, I don't know, maybe she'd pulled the regulator out of his mouth or need him in the groin. They split apart. He went to the surface, I assume, to find help. Then he saw another diver go straight down to her. So he saw one guy go down, close enough to touch her, embrace her, go to the surface, and then another guy come down. Yeah, so one guy, he says, one guy goes down, grabs her, something happens, they split apart, she falls, he goes to the surface. Yeah. Then someone else came down anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute later, grabbed her, and took her straight to the surface. So by January 2009, Gabe went back to Australia voluntarily. So June 5th, 2009, he pleads guilty to a negligent manslaughter charge in Australia. Essentially admitting that while he did not save his wife's life, he did not intend to kill her. The primary judge, Justice Peter Lyons, noted that Gabe failed to make any reasonable attempt to take the deceased to the surface. Yeah, you had her in your arms and you... He said, I therefore accept that you are guilty of a very serious departure from the standard of care which was incumbent upon you with the result that your conduct is deserving of criminal punishment. So that's the thing, like, like he was supposedly trained as search and rescue. Yeah. It only took the guy, like, 30 seconds. To get down there. To not, like, 30 seconds to 45 seconds to get down there, and then 30 more to 45 more to bring her up. Yeah. So... He said it was too hard for him but he's to go get her. But he's a trained rescue diver. So he went to the surface, which took even longer yeah, than going to get her and then sense. bringing her to the surface. So, ugh. Uh, mm, mm. Prosecutors argued that Gabe should serve five years in prison with a minimum of 18 months, but the sentencing judge gave him four-year sentence, which could be suspended after he served 12 months. What? And... 
the 23 days that he already spent in custody would be deducted from his sentence. Okay. So he kind of said that, like, part of the reason why was because in all the years in between, like, he was like, basically, you were tried in the public. They all found you guilty. Like, it must have really sucked for you to be, like, living your life. Whether or not you were guilty, people decided, and you had years to, like, live like that. And the fact that he voluntarily came, then he, like, factored all that in. Okay. So, Alabama Attorney General King, something King, he sent a legal brief to Australian prosecutors that said Tina's life was worth more than 12 months. Mm Mm-hmm. He said, levying a 12-month suspended sentence on Watson sends a terrible message to foreigners. If you desire to kill your spouse, Queensland should be your homicide destination. September 18th, 2009, an Australian appeals court sentenced him to 18 months, like extended it from 12 to 18 months. Okay. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Queensland in his order... They had, like, a three-judge panel. He said that Gabe, had Gabe not pleaded guilty, but rather been convicted of manslaughter by a jury, a more lengthy prison time would have been appropriate. So... So they are like, because you were like, I'm sorry, I did it. Yeah. Then you... Well, that's how it goes. Like, that's how it goes. If you get a plea deal, you don't have to waste all that time and money in court. Um, And then one of the... One of the... Judges on the panel said that Gabe was not just negligent, but criminally negligent, and that 12 months was plainly unacceptable. Yeah. There was some disagreement between the three. Like, two judges disagreed, and then the third one, like, broke the tie and decided. Okay. October 22nd, 2010. Seven years to the day after Tina Thomas Watson died, Alabama state prosecutors got a capital indictment against... Gabe in Jefferson County. Whoa. Tina's family is obviously upset with a short prison sentence in Alabama, uh-huh. so prosecutors took up the case. The reason why they were able to do this is because they said that he planned the murder in Alabama. Hmm. So they were like, we can charge him here. What proof do they have of that? And then the attorney general was negotiating with Australia to get, like, evidence, and the Australian government was like, no, not until you take the death penalty off the table. They have, like, a rule where they don't extradite if the death penalty right. is an option. Right. So he said, this guy is, like, full of vinegar. He said, I think it's wrong for the Australian government to water down Alabama's justice system the way they watered it down there. Damn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude's not fucking around. Alabama. Bama. November 11th, 2010, Gabe was released from an Australian prison, and he flies back to the U.S. Upon landing in L.A., police take him to the station for booking. Okay. April 7th, 2011, Circuit Judge Tommy Nail... Tommy Nail! ...indefinitely postponed Gabe's trial after state cutbacks leaves Alabama court short on security. Oh. They're like, we can't afford it. They're like, hey, Australia, you were too weak. Bring him back here. We're going to kill him. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we don't have any money. money. We killed everyone. We ran out of money. Sorry. Uh, We were a little too uh, excited about the death penalty. Okay, so February 13th, 2012, Gabe's trial in Birmingham starts. 
He is accused of first-degree murder and faces life in prison without parole. Prosecutors in his home state say that he drowned his wife on their honeymoon to collect a life insurance payout. The defense said that Tina, in her first open water dive, panicked and died accidentally. Other divers testified that Gabe, a certified rescue diver, broke a basic scuba diving rule that all novices know. You don't leave your buddy unless they're dead or they're trapped and you can't get them loose without assistance. Mm -hmm. But if you can retrieve your buddy, there's no excuse for leaving. Yeah. So Dr. Doug Millsap said that, and he testified for the prosecution, that Gabe told him two stories about how Tina died, and neither of which he believed. Yeah. In one version, he said Gabe told him that his wife panicked, knocking off his mask, making him unable to help her. And in another, he said he was holding her, but that she was too heavy to carry to the surface. What? Which is ridiculous, because underwater, a person's weight is equivalent to 10 to 20 pounds. Um, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And you're a rescue diver, so you're used to going and rescuing human beings. Well, he was certified as one. Like, but, he like, got you've the qualifications. So you've you practiced so. bringing people to the surface. And she was, like, a really petite woman. Like, she was pretty tiny. Uh-uh. So February 23rd, 2012, Judge Tommy Nail acquits Gabe... What? After yelling about how Australia didn't do their job? No, that was the attorney general. Oh. This is just a judge. Agre- he agreed with the defense that the prosecutors failed to present enough evidence that a crime took place. And prosecutors alleged that Gabe drowned his wife for money, but the only witness to her death testified that he thought that Gabe was actually rescuing her. When on the... Yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't like him. I don't like him. But... If uh, if his parents are so wealthy that they're just giving him money for a down payment, they got that bubble wrap money. Bu- bubble wrap money. So bunny. it's like, what? I don't know why he would want like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars if he can just ask mom and dad for yeah. ten thousand dollars for a two week vacation. Yeah. Well, also like his family said, like he took on her debt. And apparently, like, he spent $5,000 on her funeral. So when all was said and done, like, if he had gotten her money, he would have been out, like, $3,000 or something. Yes. Like, with the down payment and the honeymoon and, like, whatever. And it just didn't, it just seemed like her family just, like, really hated him and wanted him to pay. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, originally, like, I I heard about the story and it was, like, this guy, like, it was because of the picture. It was, like, this picture is so like crazy and then it was like yeah this guy like drowned his wife on their honeymoon and it was like like hurt like this picture like surfaced or whatever and then reading it i was like oh this isn't as like straightforward as i thought it was yeah like on the one hand i agree with the judge there wasn't enough evidence to say what what actually happened yeah i think it's weird I think he's shady as fuck being, like, trying to get get her after she, like, got out of her first... Or while she was, like, in her first marriage, like, she's engaged. Mm-hmm. That's shady as fuck. I think he definitely knew that she wasn't an as experienced diver as he was. I think it was definitely negligence on his part. Well, it could have been, like, overconfidence, too, with him just being like, oh, yeah, like, I'm so professional at this, like, don't worry. And then when it comes down to it... He panicked. Yeah. Like, if you're in that situation... But I think that that counts as negligence know. because that's like... Yeah, no, I You know agree. your abilities. You sure as hell know that this person is not a professional diver. 
and yet you still insisted that, like, this was a good idea. Yeah, so. That's that shitty story. Yeah, I don't think there... I don't think there was a toss out or a scrambled egg, I think. I think that that attorney general is <laughs> pretty nuts. It's a loose cannon. <laughs> Alabama. He wants that southern justice. Yeah, to hang him. Um, yeah, I think I would say at the most, to me, the evidence is just negligent. Like what he got manslaughter. manslaughter. Yeah. yeah. But... That's so know, shitty, though. I would like to know what the prosecutors were like. Oh, we have evidence that he was planning it ahead of time in Alabama. I think they just wanted to try him. Yeah, sure. And then they were like, "Oh, like you planned this diving trip, so obviously you like you knew your wife couldn't make it, and you're just gonna like turn off her air and then turn it back on." Which that's fucked up. I don't know. So, yeah. Um, don't do anything without, or outside of your means, <laughs> even if you feel pressured to. Yeah, really. I mean, not blaming her, I'm not blaming, I don't know, I, on the, I'm on the fence about blaming him, but definitely negligence. Well, and then I think, I probably shouldn't say because I don't know for sure, but I think at some point he was trying to hold the boat people, the like scuba people accountable because they were like, you didn't follow protocol. I mean, even though, the, but then they were like, but we asked you. Yeah, I was going to say, refused. they offered a professional. But then it's like, you need to have some oversight where you're checking people's certifications or you need to have something where you're like not letting people on That's the dive. That's what I'm saying, especially after three to four Americans four have di- had yeah, died in that in like year. year or whatever. Yeah. Like, obviously something's not like. But then that's kind of like that story about that couple who went for for a vacation or honeymoon or whatever, and they were lost at sea because there was no one was doing head counts. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, like, that's basic shit. Like, how are you not? Yeah. yeah. But then he dropped it because, it because like they were kind of like, no, it's your fault. Like, well, because they probably signed a waiver like, that was like, whatever happens, like, you're agreeing that you are certified or whatever, you're but, responsible. Yeah, that was your buddy. <laughs> that's fucked. Yeah. Don't well, go I, diving, guys. I hope that he got his, like, rescue license revoked i don't think he's like (laughs) (laughs) well it's just it's like one thing to be in a theoretical crisis situation and it's a whole another thing when you're in an actual sure definitely you you can do all the training in the world and then when that shit hits if you're one if you're like some people when that stuff happens you're automatically just like okay let's get this stuff done and some people like you just get blinders and you're like fuck like this is scary so, yeah, it's one thing to be, like, know. certified, and it's a whole other thing to be in Actually, that situation. Yeah, I agree. You don't know how you're going to react in a situation. Especially if it's it. your wife, and all of a sudden, you're, like, trying to get her. But maybe he's not, like, maybe his training wasn't really that good, you Who know? Knows? Whoever certified Yeah, is him. there, like, a standard certification that around well, the world people It said people that he have, had gone or? on, like, 55 dives, right. which made him, like advance but yeah how many of those were open water how many of those were in the ocean how many of those were that deep like with like a current that strong yeah and, like so many questions and when you're going down there even if, like you said even if you are an expert yourself you can't you don't know like what the person you're going down with is gonna do if they're gonna flail and hit your mask and then that disorients you and by the time you put it on they're like 30 feet away because of the current 
how are you supposed to get to them and you're freaking out so you go to the surface i don't know i could see it i could see it both ways for sure yeah i just i definitely think that they they were negligent going trying that without being experts yeah and the crew was a little negligent not making sure that everyone was certified and that you know, like, you should have to show some kind of paperwork, and if you don't, then you go down with a trained professional clipped onto you. You should have to, like, you should have to have a guide, like, regardless. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. Unless you take your own boat out there, and you're, like, doing your own thing with your own buddy. If you're going through one of those, like, cruises, yeah. I feel like you should have to have a trained diver who actually has experienced crisis situations where they know what to do. Like, the guy who actually dove down and got her within the matter of, like, right. minutes. Like, obviously was able to do it. Yeah. With the conditions that this dude couldn't. Yeah, even deeper yeah. and quicker. Yikes. Yeah, so just a tragic. That is very tragic. Thank you. Tragedies all around. <sighs> I know, I was like, oh, fuck, after training and then doing this, and I was just like, I'm so, like, depressed and anxiety-ridden this <laughs> week. This sucks. Well, let's lighten up the mood, then. Let's lighten it up. Let's do some criminy sakes. And now for the portion that we like to call criminy sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. I got this information from WMUR.com. Residents living in a Florida town got an early 4th of July show when a neighbor yelled fireworks noises late into the night. What? There wasn't much to see, but residents could definitely hear it. Like, pow, pop. The dogs were barking, and we go outside, and this guy is screaming. I mean, so loud, Sarah Wernicke told WBBM-TV. The man was apparently protesting others who set off fireworks a little early this year. He was caught on security footage yelling, Boom! Firecracker! Bottle rocket! Boom! Pow! In the wee hours of the, of the morning earlier this week. Pretending to be a firework is also going to run afoul of our noise ordinance. Phil Mullen, Master Corporal at Cape, Cor- Cape Corral Coral? Yeah, Cape Coral. Cape Coral Police Department told the TV station. Oh, my God. Well, apparently it was just as effective. It got the dogs going. Boom! Firecracker! (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. This one is from CWB Chicago. A Grand Crossing man stole a a towing company's truck and then... Called 911 himself because he was upset that the truck driver dared to pull a gun on him, prosecutors said. What? Elliot Scott, 22, is charged with aggravated possession of a stolen motor vehicle, misdemeanor theft, and driving uh, driving on a suspended or revoked license. Mr. Scott called 911, a befuddled judge Charles Beach asked prosecutor after hearing their allegations. Yeah, Scott interjected. Right. Scott's defense attorney quickly advised him, it's not best to talk about charges in court. Prosecutors said police responded to a call Tuesday after someone stole a flatbed tow truck operated by Chi City City Towing Company from the 7400 block of South Exchange. The company's owner provided police with its GPS coordinates (laughs) and cops went to that location. 
While police were on the way, the defendant called 911 and said he stole a truck and he was upset because the owner pulled a gun on him. <laughs> An assistant state attorney told Beach during Scott's bond court hearing Wednesday, when cops found the truck, Scott was in the driver's seat, prosecutors said. He was taken into custody. Scott, 22, has no criminal background. What happened, Scott? Beach said he would allow Scott to go home with electronic monitoring without requiring a cash bail wow. because he did not use a weapon during this matter. He called the police, apparently, upon himself. So I mean, like, not really. He called it on someone else, though. But he was like, I just stole a truck. This guy pulled a gun on me. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So don't use weapons <laughs> when committing other crimes. I mean, definitely call the cops on yourself. Definitely do not. Ew. Ew what? Okay, just be, just one more. No, wait, oh. Oh, do you have one? No, no. why did you okay. say ew? Well, I wanted, this one's from Brazil, so I wanted to bring it back to Brazil. Let's bring it back. From, this one's from folk paper, com. The regional medical board in Sao Paulo, Brazil had recently removed a surgeon after she violated the medical board's laws enforced to keep medical procedures private uh -oh. and under ethical boundaries. Plastic surgeon Karen Trisoglio uh -oh. Garcias had been suspended from April 8th onwards, after which, after which strict investigation should, would take place. Upon pr proving... Wow, I cannot read. Upon proving her guilty of unethical behavior, her license might be withdrawn by the board members. A surgeon belonging to the Brazilian municipality of Ribeirão Preto was dancing along with jolly music on the, so on the social media app while flaunting the freshly removed skin and fat of the patient who had undergone the surgery. What the fuck? Which was also pointed out for another video where she was confidently flashing two liquid-filled bags with one labeled as the breasts and another as underarm fat. What? SP, SBCP president Estefano Luis Favoreto received several complaints against the plastic surgeon for violating the rules and showcasing unethical behavior. Uh, yeah. After which she was prompted to take the immediate action of suspending her. Oh my God. The surgeon was also removed from the Brazilian Society of Plastic Surgery for six months following the viral videos. Gross. The, CB, the SBCP cleared that even the even with the patient's permission, surgeon Karen Garcias had broken five international regulations, which included showing the patient's body parts to a third party. Ew. The Brazilian surgeon has over 640,000 followers. Who wants to see someone's bags of fat? And around 11 million likes on the <gasps> TikTok app where she frequently posts videos of herself doing her workouts and daily activities. What the fuck? What the hell? That's so gross. So, things are different in Brazil. People all like those, seeing fat. You know, you get all those sucked like sucked out of people's yeah, bodies. Dancing around with bags of fat on TikTok. Uh, anyway. That is so gross. That was a bad way to end it. <laughs> oh gross. <laughs> well if you wanna wash out your mind, check out Humblebee Herbals soaps and other awesome products. Everything is natural. They don't use body fat to make their products. You can Ooh. rest assured it is all natural plant fats that they're using. 
And a lot of them are even vegan. Mm-hmm. So check them out, humblebeeherbal.com. They smell great. They're going to leave your skin feeling amazing, and they will leave you clean. Check out their Instagram at humblebeeherbal, and look at their cool products. Get yourself something. You won't regret it. And uh, we will speak at you in a week, in two weeks. Yeah, every other week. We'll speak at you not next week, but the week after that. So Figure it out. Figure it out. We are certainly not. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks. We will see ya. Nope. Nope. Okay. We'll speak at you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.